Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know what it is, episode 130 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Uh, yeah. Another one of those. This is for my cue. Down to earth. Go in peace, baby. You know how we roll. There's so many that don't know. This is out to my cue. Rest in peace, baby. for the love of the game and well at the time of the recording i'm not in a great mood last night was not a banner night for your boy the giants lost and looked really really inept in so many ways in doing so losing to the kansas city chiefs a kansas city chiefs team that was dying to give them that game but the giants just couldn't take that game just pathetic and more so because the Giants season is over, and I really shouldn't be even talking about them, but I had to mention them. I was in MSG last night, and the New York Knicks took an L, 113-104 to against the Toronto Raptors, a team that they are better than. Knicks looked lifeless after the first quarter. They blew a 15-point lead in the first half and just were disgusting. So, yeah, uh, right now, I've been in better spirits. I've been in better spirits, but you know what we do is we push through. Famous street poet once said, last night I took an L, but tonight I bounced back. And that's what we're going to do. So for the Knicks, it's on to Indiana tomorrow night. And for the Giants, well, who the fuck cares? But yeah, so uh, talked about the Giants. Uh, just a couple of things. One, their entire team is out. Kadarius Tony was in and out of the game last night with uh, various injuries. I don't know what the Giants' plan was with him and, and what's going on. Kenny Galladay, hurt. Sterling Shepard got hurt. It's just the hits keep coming. Andrew Thomas was hurt. I mean, I, this Giants season is just an absolute, absolute catastrophe in every sense of the word. But the bigger thing from last night's game is the fact that the Kansas city chiefs low key stink. They low key stink. I mean, they just don't, they were, as I said, they were dying to give that game away. They just don't make plays anymore. I mean, you had that interception in the red zone that went off the guy's hands. I mean, I, I barely watched much of the game, but I saw the highlights. It's just Patrick Mahomes is becoming increasingly impatient. Their defense is not very good, although the defense was was not bad last night. But that's, I think, more of a, an issue, a Giants offensive issue than the uh, Kansas City defense being particularly good. I know they they're trying to go to the Super Bowl for the third straight year, but it's not happening. I mean, you've seen the track record of teams that have gone to the Super Bowl the year before and have lost. It's not very good, and it looks like the Chiefs are going to be that team now. 
say the Chiefs are get into the playoffs as the seventh seed in the AFC, would you still really pick against them considering they have Patrick Mahomes? I don't know, but it's ugly. It's really ugly right now. And Andy Reid's got to buckle it up because the play calling's bad, the execution's bad. There's a lot of bad on the Kansas City side. But, yeah, so that's the Giants and the Chiefs. Uh, We'll have a couple more thoughts about the NFL as a whole in just a second. But how about the Jets? After last week, Jared Bailey and I extolling the virtues of the Cincinnati Bengals. They lose to the New York Jets. We're one of the three worst teams in football. The New York Jets with a backup quarterback, Mike White, who had never played before. I mean, what's going on with the Bengals? What was that? I mean, and you can talk about that terrible helmet-to-helmet call at the end of the fourth quarter, basically seals the game for the Jets. That was atrocious. But the Bengals, you were up 11. You were up 11 in the fourth quarter, and you blew a lead to the New York Jets. It just goes to show you that the NFL is like really like a week-to-week thing. And I know it's cliche, but any given Sunday, it's really true because the Bengals murdered everybody in their suicide pool, murdered everybody who bet a three-team teaser involving the Bengals, like yours truly did. And But kudos to Jets for playing hard and showing a little bit of fight. Not that it really means anything. This episode of For the Love of the Game podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Yeah, people, that's right. This is an ad read, baby. Bet Online is the number one spot for all basketball and football action this year. As you know, I like to sprinkle a few shekels on my picks against the spread week in and week out. Need a rebound week, and Bet Online is the best place to do it. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile site to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAVE50 and get your bonus. That's right. Promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to get 50%. Welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. Some quick thing on the New York Rangers. The beat goes on with the New York Rangers. They're playing exceedingly good hockey right now. And shout out to the second coming of Brian Leach, the tribe's own Adam Fox, hopefully a future guest on this show if, if all things goes to plan. Still crossing our fingers a little bit on that. But Adam Fox getting a seven-year extension, $65 million. He's the best defenseman in the league. The advanced metrics show it. He's awesome. So good on the Rangers for locking him up. He is a fantastic player. And uh, I'm excited for him to be in a Rangers uniform for a long, long time. So a couple of quick things on the NFL. As I mentioned before, we're going to go around the league a little bit. The I, I mentioned last week, I was backing Kirk Cousins, you know, friend of the program, Scott Katz. And I text all the time. He's telling me how great Kirk Cousins is. I'm always a skeptic. But I was like, all right, I'm going to go in on Kirk Cousins against the Dallas Cowboys. They're starting a backup quarterback in Cooper Rush who hasn't thrown an NFL pass in like three years or something. What do you know? Kirk Cousins with Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook musters 16 points against the Dallas Cowboys. Atrocious, 
atrocious. So Scott, this is a message for you, son. All right. I don't want to hear the Kirk Cousins shit anymore. All right. I don't want to hear it. I don't care what the numbers say. I, I, I don't care. Kirk Cousins is just good enough to be average. You're not going anywhere with Kirk Cousins. Embarrassing. That was an embarrassing performance. And shame on me for backing Kirk Cousins. Yeah, last week we were riding high with the NFL. We had positive vibes. Four and one against the spread. The three team tees hit. It was all gravy. We thought we were going to be back on the gravy train. This week, not so much. The Bengals murdered the three team tees. And instead of going one four and one, one and four. Awful. Flat out awful. Right now at the time of recording, it's Tuesday afternoon. We're going to take a quick look ahead to weeks nine's picks against the spread. I know it's a little early. This isn't the final card, but we're just throwing this out there for right now. The final card will be given out via Instagram because of the, the schedule, but this is what we're leaning towards so far. Again, terrible last week. Time to get back on track. We're going to start with the Bengals. I'm really angry at them, but I think they're going to bounce back this week against the Browns, minus two and a half at home against the Browns. I don't know why this isn't a three-point spread. I don't like what I've seen from the Browns. Uh, the Baker Mayfield thing is an issue. I know he's got like his left shoulders in shambles, but I don't know why this is not a field goal game. So if you can get it at two and a half, I would jump on that. That's number one. Number two, my New York Giants. Getting three at home against the Raiders. The Raiders traveling west to east. The Raiders having uh, a Henry Ruggs issue with what happened with him today. Being charged in a, a DUI car accident that basically could put him in jail for a couple of years and essentially end his career. Not great for the Raiders. Not great. So I got the Giants at home as a home underdog plus three. Uh, the Rams. Pick number three. The Rams minus seven and a half over the Titans. Derrick Henry is out for the year. Normally running backs don't shift the line that much, but Derrick Henry is one of the few guys in the league that does that. I think Christian McCaffrey would be the other. Von Miller is now a member of the Los Angeles Rams. I don't know how they have, still have the picks to do so, but they're going all in. So I, I like the Rams in this spot. Four, I like the Panthers plus four a home dog against the Patriots. I don't know why the Patriots should be favored by four on the road. That doesn't make any sense to me. But again, this isn't the final card. But yeah, so initially right now, I'm leaning towards the Panthers and five. Got the Falcons, another team I hate backing in Matt Ryan. I may regret this. I may change this, but Falcons plus six against New Orleans. Jameis Winston's hurt. And I know they had a big win Last Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hurt my feelings, but I don't see it happening two weeks in a row. So to recap, Bengals minus two and a half, Giants plus three, Rams minus seven and a half, Panthers plus four, Falcons plus six, the preliminary pick five for week nine against the spread. Okay, so I, I was at the Nick game last night, as I mentioned before. Just a couple of thoughts from the game. Again, they blew a 15-point lead. They got up by moving the ball. Everything was looking great. And then the second quarter hits. 
And it starts going into the ISO Julius Randle nonsense. And then just the, the league gets slashed. I think they were up only four at the half. Just a disgusting display of basketball. Turnovers, terrible possessions in the second quarter. And then there was more ISO Julius. And then the Knicks were giving up threes at the other end. I think Toronto made like seven threes in the, in the third quarter alone, which is astronomical. OG Ananobi, who's one of the five best primary defenders in basketball. Julius was trying to go at him, trying to do this hero ball nonsense, which was garbage. Uh, he destroyed the Knicks on both ends of the court last night. Fred Van Vliet made shots late. Gary Trent Jr. got hot and really cooked Evan Fournier. And it was just a loss. It was just an ugly loss. The Julius Randle thing needs to be addressed. We're getting into 2019 territory with Julius Randle, where he was one of the worst players to watch, where the ball sticks, it doesn't move. And unlike with Carmelo Anthony, who the ball would stick to, Julius Randle's initiating the offense, all right? He's bringing the ball up the floor. Carmelo wasn't doing that. He was catching it in spots. He was more of a finisher. Julius, you got to stop bringing the ball up, all right? I don't want to see him bringing the ball up, initiating offense at the top of the key, trying to do ISO Julius nonsense, okay? We have Derrick Rose, who was really bad last night, but he's been largely really good for the Knicks. We have Derrick Rose. We have Kemba Walker, who can initiate. We have R.J. Barrett, who's the only guy who – came to play last night and he's been on a tear lately. He's been fantastic. And it's looking like that he's taking a Jimmy Butler type leap that it happened for Jimmy Butler in year four. It looks like it's happening for RJ Barrett in year three. So that is really encouraging for the Knicks, but Julius Randall, you got to stop it, man. You got to stop it. I know you were all NBA last year. This is a different team. All right. We have dudes who can initiate, be a finisher. Don't be a starter. Be a finisher. You're not LeBron James, all right? So stop playing like LeBron James. Awful. Just awful. I, I'm dangerously close to being all the way back out on Julius Randle. And all the good vibes from last year are really dissipating quickly. So, Jules, snap out of it. Tibbs, get the ball out of his hands, all right? Let the creators and the initiators initiate the offense. Now, I know the Knicks point guards are a little bit think shot first. Kemba's more of a shot first guy. Same with Rose. But it's still better than having Julius Randle do the ISO Julius nonsense. So that's just some quick Knicks thoughts. Now, all these underlying issues, it, it's the Knicks are so much more talented than they were last year that the talent is going to mask some of these issues, but it's something to watch. It's something to watch. And their offense got exposed in the playoffs last year. Just something to keep an eye on. Tibbs, let's evolve a little bit. Come on, guy. I mean, you have a roster of dudes now. So we'll see how that plays out. But I still think the Knicks are going to be pretty good. And we'll just chalk that up to a bad game. And we're on to Indiana. Some other quick NBA thoughts before we bring on a first time guest to talk a little NBA specifically about the Lakers, a member of the Believe podcast family. Excited to have him on. A couple of quick things. One, the Celtics stink. All right. 
The Celtics really stink. They played the Bulls last night. And shout out to the Bulls who are 6-1. and one. Their lone loss coming against the New York Knicks, a game that a friend of the program, Mr. Moshe Kanervogel and I basically went heads up on. Thanks for the podcast promotion. Your job's not done, bud. All right, you promised me a week. I expect a week's worth. Let's go. Uh, but shout out to him. And by the way, if you're in the uh, NYC area and you need a new apartment, contact my guy. But anyway, the Bulls, who came back against the Celtics, I think they went on a 48-13 to 13 run at one point, something like that. It was so ridiculous. I mean, at the end of the third quarter, with 39 seconds left of the third quarter, the Boston Celtics were up 102-85. At the end of the game, it was 128-114 Bulls. They're a mess. And then Marcus Smart at the end of the game says this, and I quote, I would just like to play basketball. Every team knows we're trying to go to Jason and Jalen. That's uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Every team is programmed and studied to stop Jason and Jalen. I think everybody's scouting report is to make those guys pass the ball. They don't want to pass the ball. Now, this is coming from a guy in Marcus Smart who takes more I got this guy type shots, who shouldn't be taking I got this guy type shots, but he's right. He's right. Those guys don't like to pass the ball. The Celtics are a mess, but it's all right because Bill Simmons, you know, and, and apparent NBA experts were telling me that the Celtics could be a three or a four seed this year. <clears throat> Wrong. All right. Jason Tatum's has now taken the mantle as the most overrated player in basketball. Everything's for the gram. Everything's got to be a shoulder fake. Just, I don't see it. And people are comparing him to Carmelo Anthony. That's an insult to Carmelo Anthony and how great Carmelo has been. Jason Tatum is not that guy just yet. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this thing develops with the Celtics. But I ultimately love their demise because the city of Boston, quite frankly, sucks. Other quick NBA thoughts. The Miami Heat are awesome. They are just awesome. Jimmy Butler is have right now if the season ended, he'd be the MVP of the league. I know it's really early, but he's been great. Bam Adebayo's been great. Kyle Lowry, who's only averaging eight points, has been awesome for that team. Tyler Hero's having a bounce back year. Good stuff from Miami. As a Knicks fan growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s, I've been programmed to hate the Miami Heat. Pat Riley is now my arch nemesis, but you got to respect this Miami Heat team. And I actually kind of like this iteration of the Miami Heat. And right now, if you look at the league as a whole, the Eastern Conference is better than the Western Conference. I mean, what team in the West right now has stood out? None. None. Listen, when Milwaukee's full strength, they're the best team in the East still. I think Brooklyn's going to get it together because Durant is good. But if you go up and down the conference, the Eastern Conference is better than the Western Conference. It is. It is. So, yeah. So those are just a couple of quick NBA thoughts. We're going to bring on a first-time guest to talk a little bit of Lakers and what he's seen out of them and some NBA thoughts as a whole in just a matter of moments. One, I teased it before, but as I mentioned last episode, one of the benefits of being on the Believe Podcast Network is I now have access to all these awesome people who like to talk about sports. um, And one of the 
more interesting teams in the league, obviously, and high-profile teams is the Lakers. So I'm I'm welcoming on for the first time my guy Nick, Nick Hamilton, a fellow Believe podcast host member of the show. What's going on, Nick? How we doing? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good, man. I'm black, blessed, and highly favored. I can't complain, man. Awesome. So you're a Lakers guy. So got to talk about Lakers. I was holding off to talk about Lakers on my show until I was talking with a, a Lakers guy. So right now, after last night's win, two-point win over Houston, they're 5-3. and three. It started out a little rocky, uh, but already, what are you seeing from the Lakers right now? Are you encouraged by what you see? What? Give me your Lakers thoughts at the moment. I won't be encouraged until about Christmas Day. I think Christmas Day is a good barometer to see how well these guys have been able to gel, find some cohesiveness. I still have an issue with Russell Westbrook and not him as a player, but more just how he's going to ingratiate himself into this style of play. I think that's a lot of people's questions. Um, we That's not say he can't score because he's a scorer. Um, he can he can throw assists. He can get them as we've seen countless times. But how will he be able to sustain himself when he has LeBron and AD on the floor? Now, I know what we saw in Houston over with that two-point win the other night, but also – how, how consistent can you be with that type of trio in the lineup? That's the concern that myself and a lot of other people have as far as Russell Westbrook is concerned because the guy still can't shoot. Um, and he wants to bring the And there's times where he looks confused, especially when LeBron decides to bring the ball down um, in those moments. As you saw last night, there were a few couple times when LeBron was bringing the ball down. He's like, uh, and plus Russell has, has an understanding. I don't know how well he's going to do this, but he has to learn how to be the third option and not the option. And I think that's been the biggest stumbling block for him as well as Frank Vogel and that offense they like to run. Um, I thought personally, I thought Buddy Hill would have been a better fit because when LeBron is surrounded by shooters, LeBron can carry that team and take the load when he needs to and be able to be successful as we witnessed in Cleveland and even in Miami in that lad, those latter years. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how much this works. Um, yeah, like I said, the big three, quote unquote, had a good night last night. But there's also times where Russell Westbrook, as we've seen him get kicked out of games, we've seen the Lakers lose a 26 point lead uh, to a team that is a, a JV or a junior college team in Oklahoma City. Uh, and you're going to get some more of those types of games as we move forward. But can they put a string of games together? that we can get a sample size to say, okay, if they have this, then if they can put it together, they're going to be okay. Um, I do have them picked as one, either the finishing the number one or number two spot in the West. I think they are that talented if they can stay healthy. Um, and then it's, 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 you know, it's, it's a crap, it's a crap shoot, obviously when the playoffs hit. So that's where I am right now. I'm not encouraged. I'm just kind of waiting and seeing and saying, okay, well, let's see what else you guys can put together. Well, there's very little continuity, right? If you look up and down the roster, there's so many new pieces uh, who are going to be in the first 10 guys who are playing. So it's going to take time right. to gel. Uh, you mentioned the Russ versus Buddy Heald trade. I, I've always been a Russ defender in the past. It's been a lot more difficult lately. <laughs> um a lot more difficult lately, but I did. I so Ryan Rosillo made this point earlier, or I should say before mm-hmm. the season started, that there are going to be nights where you know, you if you liken Westbrook to uh, a pitcher, right, in baseball, right, like an innings eater, 
there are going to be nights where you're going to need Russell Westbrook's to, you know, eat some innings, meaning like eating possessions in a sense, where he's going to have to be that dude. And and he plays with a tremendous amount of energy. Like the, the my favorite thing about Westbrook is he always plays hard. Now, he doesn't always play smart, but he plays hard every night. And, he, and he's not going right. to take nights off. And for the most part, I mean, he was dinged up a little bit in Houston, at, you know, especially in the bubble. And he was dinged up a little bit last season with Washington. But for the most part, he's very durable and he's, and he's going to give you – um, you know, 85% of the games, unlike a certain somebody who plays for the Lakers, but we'll get to him in a second. Uh, <laughs> so, so I was pro that, but when you say ingratiate yourself, like to the, to the offense, especially cause you know, taking the ball out of LeBron's hands, while it may be a good thing in the regular season, but in the pl- to keep him fresh a little bit, but in the, in the playoffs, we know that it can get very heliocentric LeBron. So what are the things right. that Westbrook's got to do? Is it just like cutting off ball? I mean, but it's also, you know, for every great team to work, like LeBron's going to have to give a little bit also. That is true. I mean, he's going to, but you got to understand this is LeBron's team and LeBron has done it his way for so long. Much like Russell Westbrook, he's done it his way for so long. Who was going to blink first kind of situation, you know? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's a situation where I don't know if Russell can handle being the third option, especially come playoff time. I don't know if Russell can, be, you know, there's going to be some friction. Um, there's going to be, I, I anticipate some type of friction. I, I, I anticipate some type of jawing, whether that be with LeBron or whether that be with Carmelo or whether that be with somebody else on the squad, there's going to be some type of friction. And let me tell you something. If the Lakers don't turn it around, I would say by Christmas Day, where you're saying, okay, these guys are at this particular place where they're in first place, the seat going to get a little hot for Frank Vogel. Is it, though? I mean, you just won a title. It's not going to get hot. Like, what are we talking you about don't think, here? You don't think, really? Okay, so let's, let's, let's look at this this way. Somebody's got to fall on the sword, right? We know damn sure it's not going to be LeBron James. We know it's not going to be Russell Westbrook off the bat. And if they're, they're, they're in a slump and they're, have, they, they're at 500 or having a losing record by Christmas Day, the, 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 the seat's going to warm up. The heat's going to turn up. You know how it is in Los Angeles with the media. Well, you know so the the, hold on, so the media. I'm asking you that question like because I'm a Knicks fan. We have a different set of issues. We have a different set of issues right now. <laughs> um, like we haven't had the issue that the title, you know, our team won a title in the last five years, and it's not going as seamlessly as planned. So the coach is going to be on the hot seat. We we don't have those issues. So I'm asking in Lakerland, is that really the case that if they're 500 or slightly below 500 come Christmas time, that he's on the hot seat? I won't say the hot seat, but the temperature will start to creep up. Let's put it that way. The temperature right, will Rumblings up. I can understand, but hot seat is is a whole nother story. Well, I'm saying at the end of the season, if they don't win the chip and they don't get to the NBA finals per se, that's going to be a problem because you went all in with Russell Westbrook, with Carmelo, with Trevor Ariza, who's scheduled to come back, you know, in, in the next, you know, several weeks, possibly. You got Malik Monk. You, which I like Malik Monk. I think Malik Monk was a steal. He was my favorite uh, acquisition. I, hold on. I said it on the podcast. He was my favorite yeah. acquisition of all the Lakers offseason acquisitions. He was like, my, like one of my sneaky favorites. I'm a Malik Monk believer. 
I like Malik Monk and I like the Carmelo. I, I like the Dwight coming back too. I thought Dwight coming back helps them off the bench, especially in the rebounding category. And then there are times with Frank Vogel, as we saw in 2020, where you had that versatility where you could put AD and Dwight on the floor at the same time and cause mismatches. So I think he has that once again. I love the fact they re-signed TAT. I thought that was another smart move as well. Um, but if you don't get to the NBA Finals and you don't win a chip for all that you put into this and everything that you allow LeBron to do is play GM and you don't win the chip, guess whose head is going to be the first to be looked at to roll? It ain't going to be LeBron. It ain't going to be Russell Westbrook off the bat. It's going to be Frank Vogel. I don't know. That That's tough. That's uh, – I, I just – I mean, I can't see that happening unless LeBron goes to management like Magic Johnson did with Paul Westhead in the 80s after they won the title. I think it was like 81 where Pat Riley comes in. And unless LeBron's going to management being like, this is You don't think LeBron's been a coach killer? Oh, he has been, but I think he has enough. Oh, he has been. It's it's one of the stains on LeBron's career that everybody has to adapt to him and that he's been – quite frankly, rather uncoachable. Now, again, he's great. I'm not talking about that, but like, he's not the sure. easiest guy to, to have in an organization. Like he's hey. a, as much of a diva as they come. I just don't get the sense in this particular scenario that he is going to stab Frank Vogel in the back. Well, let's put it this way. It's one thing to be respected. And it's another thing to be tolerated. We'll see. We'll see. Um, speaking of LeBron, <laughs> it's year 19, right? Mm-hmm. It's year 19. Right now, he's going to to the basket way less than ever before. I mean, right. there are signs of him looking a little old. Now, again, he's going to have moments where he, it's not like he's out of shape or anything. And, he, and right. as much as I get on LeBron for a lot of things, and I'm, I'm one of his biggest – anti I'm one of the biggest anti LeBron guys in the media. I know that shunned upon, but whatever it is, what it is, uh, you know, he, he keeps his body in unbelievable condition. You can't say that about LeBron, but he's getting older. The legs are getting a little heavier. So he's not driving to the rim as much as he used to. He's doing a lot more spotting up and shooting. Is that cause for concern um, for the Lakers this year, considering that, how important he is to their to their team being, you know, the LeBron of old, right? Because we haven't seen the decline mm-hmm. in a little bit. I don't think it's a concern. The other the major concern is avoiding injury, like what we witnessed last season when he was out for 20 plus games because of the ankle injury. And that ultimately cost the Lakers, you know, an opportunity to compete for a title in the long run. I think that's the ultimate concern is making sure that LeBron is healthy enough two when it's time for the playoffs to make sure that LeBron can give that push that we know LeBron has given in times prior. So I think that's the most, that's the major concern. As long as he scores, does what he needs to do on the floor, get guys involved like we normally see LeBron do. Yes. That's going to be a drop off. The man's been in the league for 19 years. I mean, he's basketball years. He's old, but in obviously in off the court, he's in really great shape for a man of his, of his age and stature. Uh, but in basketball years, yeah, he's old because it's a young man's game, as we see time and time again. Uh, but I, that's not that. No, that's not. I don't think that's the the ultimate concern. The ultimate concern is make sure LeBron stays healthy, doesn't get these little you know knickknack injuries, 
that will keep him out for a significant period of time. I agree with you. I don't think LeBron on offense is much of a concern. I, I, I don't think that that's really the real Lakers issue. What I think will be the Achilles heel for the Lakers is defensively. And the reason is when they won the title, if you look at the wing defenders they had, KCP, I'm not a KCP guy, but he's a very capable, willing wing defender, right? Uh, Caruso, who the Lakers should have never let go, uh, was a capable uh, wing and on-the-ball point guard defender. It's just a lot of perimeter defense that they're missing. And I know how great Anthony Davis can be in that category in terms of making up for things. And LeBron is a very good defender when he wants to be. However, at this stage of his career, he doesn't really want to be doing that all that much. And you don't want him chasing after point guards. Uh, so, but I, I think the ultimately the undoing of the Lakers this year, if there's going to be one is the lack of perimeter defense on the wing. Um, because Trevor Reza is a dinosaur. It's a valid point. Really do it. Carmelo ain't guarding anybody. Malik Monk isn't guarding anybody. Um, Kendrick Nunn isn't going to help out guarding point guards. It, it That is going to be the Achilles heel. And Russell Westbrook, for as athletic as he is, and as hard as he is, you know, in terms of how hard he plays, I should say, he's become an atrocious defensive guard atrocious that lacks any discipline so ultimately i think what's going to stop the lakers from winning a title is, besides for the fact that i think that they're just teams that are better is their their perimeter defense yeah absolutely i can't i can't disagree with that i think perimeter defense and then being able to you know play you know not play zone you know being able to be able to guard the guy that's in front of you and would be able to alter shots, especially down in the paint. Um, I think that's going to be well, a Davis key down can the clean stretch up for a certain lot of, teams that a lot like to drive down the paint. Davis he can could, but at, at the same, but at the same time, you got to make sure that you got these. First of all, AD's got to be healthy. That's number well, we'll, one. We'll get you to that. Stay healthy. Number two, you got to make sure that if you're going to switch guys out, that they're there, even if AD. Let's say AD misses an assignment. You got to have some type of backup plan to make sure that guys are known that need to slide over, be in their spots, do what they need to do to be able to protect the, 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 the paint and not only just the paint, but protect the rim as well. And so that's what I think the Lakers need to make sure they have to make, they have to do better of it, just making sure that guys have each other's backs. Not to say they don't, but I'm saying on the floor, making sure that guys are looking and paying attention, they're, they're keeping their head, they're rotating. They're keeping their head on a swivel, so to speak, to make sure that, okay, this is my assignment over here. This is his assignment. Let me make sure if I need to help, you know, help on the weak side, I can help on the weak side and make sure that, you know, we're effective defensively. So last thing about LeBron, right? As I mentioned, it's year 19, as everybody has mentioned. Now, if this Lakers era, if the LeBron Lakers era only ends with one title, you know, the, uh, the bubble title, how will Laker fans treat this era of Laker basketball, especially since before LeBron came to the Lakers, there was a very complicated relationship between him and Laker fans, considering the rivalry he had with the late great Kobe Bryant. So I ask you, 
as a uh, as a speaker for Laker Nation, would you consider this a success or ultimately, you know, way less of less? I wouldn't say a failure because you got one, but not a success, if you know what I'm saying. Well, I won't speak for Laker Nation, but I'll speak as a person that's observed the Lakers and covered the Lakers for the time that I've covered them. And I will say this much. I look at this this as a success because LeBron helped bring them back from a relic. They hadn't they hadn't sniffed the the seat of the NBA finals in 10 years. So to be able to break that drought, to do it in a way that was so drastic that it rubbed quite a few teams the wrong way, but got the job done nonetheless. And I don't put an asterisk or a bubble or de, de, you know, demote the title because they they played in something they could not, we all could not control, which was COVID-19. And nobody expected COVID-19 to happen the way that it did, where we had to sit out from basketball for three months and then figure out a plan for guys to play and still continue on with the season. So I think these guys worked even harder to get that title because of the extreme circumstances that they had to go through, as well as the Miami Heat as well, uh, because they had to play the Miami Heat in the final uh, for six games. So I look at that as a success. And I always said LeBron would win at least one title in Los Angeles because he wouldn't come here if he didn't think that he would have the opportunity to do so. And I know it looked bleak in the beginning because of the kids that were here and there was really no help until LeBron was able to get his feet set and say, okay, let's, let's, let's time to make moves. Let's trade the kids. We'll keep cool, but you can have the rest of these babies and we'll get AD somehow, some way. And sure enough, they were able to pull that deal off. Um, they had to give up an enormous amount for AD, but even that trade paid off because it resulted in a championship. So I don't, I won't call it a failure. Um, could have won more possibly, but Hey, some people never get to the championship. New York Knicks are a prime example. Hey, <laughs> hey there! Don't, we, we, things are looking up in Knicks land right now. Hey, but hard, I mean, they had a bad loss tonight. I don't want to talk about it. But again, <laughs> our expect our expectations are are different, right? Like it, we're it's a different playing field. My my Laker fan friends who are going to listen to this are going to are, are going to hate me that I'm going to admit this, but that that you know we're not on the same playing. Field in terms of expectations, they're gonna they're gonna clown me, being oh the classic, you know the Knicks Knicks don't don't rate, but whatever, N- neither here nor there. But yeah, I I agree, I agree with you in a sense where as much as I clown on them that they're gonna win the bubble title and that's probably it, like it it still counts in the record books. You know, if the Knicks won the bubble title, I would have been like, all right, that's like the greatest moment of my life. So I, I can't clown it too much, but. I also think LeBron kind of came, yeah, he wanted to come try and win with the Lakers. He's obviously not going to go to a place where he's not going to win a championship. I think his the appeal of him being in Los Angeles was was a lot bigger than than we make it seem with all the off-court yeah. interests that he has. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think people put a little too much on it. Um, as it pertains to making sure that they, they, you know, whether that's to diminish LeBron of his accomplishments or whether that is to, you know, all hail to, to King James, either way, it's still a title that's won. And they had to play that season out. And Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA made sure that, that season was played out as far as it could be played out. And it, unfortunately, you know, it, it, uh, it sparked the championship and the, and the NBA finals were able to be played. So. Can't take anything off of that. 
Can't take it you know, off LeBron's legacy. He got four champ. He got four championships. So can't take nothing away from LeBron on that. Let me ask you about Anthony Davis. Um, where are you at with Anthony Davis in terms of his standing in the league? In terms of how frustrating he is to you? Um, what are your thoughts on Davis? Because there's going to come a time rather soon that it's not going to be LeBron's Lakers. That it's right. going to be an Anthony Davis-led team. Are, are you I, at all, you know, confident in that being a relevant basketball team? I think they'll be relevant. Um, how relevant remains to be seen because they're going to have to have a lot of moving pieces to surround AD with help. As we witnessed in New Orleans, when AD was in New Orleans, they only got so far and it wasn't even necessarily deep playoff runs. Um, made the second the round Lakers, once. They made the playoffs yeah, again, twice in eight years. Again, not a lot of deep playoff runs. So if that's what you're going, if that's what we can look for, if that was a crystal ball to look forward into the future, okay, fine. If Laker, if the Lakers are, are are content with that, them getting to the first or second round, fine. But the last time I checked, the Lakers were about winning championships, which is why they don't present Western Conference Finals banners or Pacific Division titles. They only hang up. NBA titles because that's what they're gunning for each and every season. So as long as that doesn't change, but they're going to have to find some way to get Anthony Davis help. I don't know how they do that because with the salary cap, they may be financially strapped for a while because once LeBron leaves, he's going to drain them financially. Um, and that's going to be an issue moving forward to try to get AD some help uh, because he's going to need it because teams are going to get better. The Clippers are going to get better. Golden State could possibly get better. Utah could get better. Denver could get better. Uh, Dallas could, I mean, excuse me, Portland, if they make some moves, could get better. I'm not saying they're going to win the championship. I ain't crazy. I haven't been drinking tonight. So I'm saying they could get better as far as getting to the playoffs, you know, deeper into the playoffs. Um, you know, Dallas, if they make a, a few right moves, can be a, play, a serious playoff contender. So it all depends on how everybody else moves. The Lakers are going to have to dictate their moves based upon that just to get out of the West. We don't even talk about the Eastern Conference. But in the West, it's so gridlocked at times, you're going to have to fight and jockey for position. And when you got Anthony Davis, who you depend on, that's going to be a tall task for him to depend on you uh, as it pertains to getting over the hump and getting you back into the championship hunt. Um, I'm not convinced that he can do it by himself. I think he needs some help. I think he needs uh, another alpha type of player. Uh, and then build around that if that's the direction you want to go in. Uh, but the, the key has always been his health. It's always been his health, staying healthy, staying on the floor. Uh, a few nights ago in San Antonio, when he rolled over and grabbed his knee, everybody collectively you know, gasped and said, oh, my God, here we go again. And fortunately, it was nothing. He stretched it out. You know, he was fine. He toughed it out the next night against OKC, and he was fine. He, by but, the way, he's perfected the – falling on the floor, writhe in pain, try and get a foul call move. It's absolutely <laughs> infuriating. Like, here's my thing about Davis, right? And I agree with a lot of what you said. My biggest issue is, I guess it's, it's there's a lot of groupthink, right, in NBA media. And they talk about Anthony Davis as like this, this supernova star, right? <clears throat> I've been dumping on him a lot lately, like Bill Simmons, right? talked about Anthony Davis being a mix between Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. And it's just like, what are you watching, dude, right? Like, what is that? 
He's not in the stratosphere of those guys, right? Not even close. Right. Like people were talking about, like, what was it, two years ago after the bubble title, ESPN had him the number two player in the league, right, going into the next season. That's insane. As talented right. as he is, he doesn't have it between the ears to be the best player on a championship team. You know why? Because we saw it in eight seasons in New Orleans. They got out of the first round once and made the playoffs twice. I don't care who's on your team, right? If you're that dude that they say you are, you you make the playoffs. But you got but you got to understand this too. In 2020, that was the best performance in the best season I saw Anthony Davis play because sure, he tucked but, it out. But but like anybody no who watched the games like you did and we all did knew that LeBron was the straw that stirs the drink, right? Of course, he's the, he's the alpha. And, and, and that's fine. That's fine. I just, it bothers me when people talk about Anthony Davis in a way that it's I mean, just- Anthony, Anthony Davis is a talented player, no question. And that's why yes. I think people are, get so frustrated with him because they see the potential greater than what he already has displayed and displaying. And, yes, that's, and that's the frustrating, okay. and that's the frustrating part. However, he still is young enough to get to that point at some, t- at some time if he stays healthy. The problem with guys like him when you see the the the, the Kevin Durant with the plantar fasciitis at times, or with the you know with the ACL injury, the tall guys like that. When you look at Greg Oden and what you know, Greg Oden would have been a top tier talent if he wasn't injury prone. But because he grow, and a lot of these guys, I was talking to a doctor, and what happens is these guys have these these sudden growth spurts. You know, when when they're their latter part of teenage years up into the you know into their college years, and their bones don't hold up. Their bones are not structured in a way where they can hold up and sustain injury. So they have to catch up. And while they're catching up, they're losing, you know, vi- you know, minerals, vitamins, calcium, things of that nature. So it makes it a little easier. And I'm not making excuses. It's just medical, you know, medical doctor I spoke with to help me understand why these guys, especially big men, get these foot, these knee, you know, injuries so often. It's because they have such these, these enormous growth spurts. So when they become men, it's like, okay, that's it. You know, you're done. You're done growing. But the problems still continue to persist. So I think with Anthony Davis, one one of the reasons I I heard him say during media day was that, you know, I changed my diet. I changed my workout regimen, which I thought was smart. Because you're going to have to do things differently if you want to maintain your body and you want to be able to be that force that you believe that you can be reckoned with. And other people believe that you can be reckoned with. You're going to have to change things. So I'm glad to see that at least Anthony Davis is putting forth the effort to change his regimen and to change and try something different. Hell, if the man wants to try yoga upside down, if that's what works, then go for it. But at least yeah, he's trying I, to I'm do something sure, different. But I, I don't think he's come into the um, into camp like in great shape, though. And I, I to me, yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. Have you seen AD up? I mean, have you have you seen AD? AD came in some. He came in some shape. Now he 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 come he come with a little bit more structure than he did last season. Then he, then why is he just so soft? He's so soft. He I don't see that's nuts. the thing. He's he's not soft. It's just here's the thing. You know when you see soft players, and maybe that's the New York coming out in you, where you think everybody that doesn't live to a certain standard is soft. I get it. All right, I'm from LA. But I'm not from the Hollywood part of L.A. We're from south of the 10 freeway, L.A. All, All right. right. There's a difference. 
I don't think okay. Anthony Davis becomes soft. I just think the fact that he could play – now, I will admit, at times, I believe he plays a little bit more timid than he should in, in times, and I think there's times where he plays like he's supposed to be playing like that force, again, that he's supposed to be reckoned with. But the inconsistencies are the, are the problem. you got to figure out what you are and who you are. Are you going to play timid at times and back off? Or are you going to be that force to be like when you when you make that and one you but you pounding your chest and you like yeah I'm that guy are you going to play like that for the, the remainder of the season that's the question that has to be answered well the ad is strong the between the ears thing with Davis is kind of what like why I don't believe like he'll ever be the best player on a title contending team like to me it's you know, you look at Giannis, right? All these guys that my Laker fan friends compare him to. Like, you look at Giannis. Giannis is wired differently. Mm-hmm. Wired differently. Um, look at Jokic, right? Yeah. Jokic he, is wired he still differently. still has to develop a, a, a shot. Why? Right? But, but it's also – it's the mentality between – it's the stuff between the ears, too. And even in well, yeah, it's to a degree mm-hmm. where it's just like, you know, I just don't think Davis – when those three guys are at their best, I don't think Davis is as good as those guys. And a lot of it has to do with between the ears. But that that's okay. a lot of Anthony, I hear your point. That that, that was point. a lot of yeah, okay. That was a lot of Anthony Davis talk. I didn't realize we were gonna go that long with the Anthony Davis stuff. I know you got a uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you was passionate somebody, about you that be. One. I wanted to ask you looking around the league for a second. Um sure. Three things to you that have stuck out so far around the league that you're just like, you know, first week and a half, you're like, whoa, this is something now. Uh, I'm going to look at the Miami Heat. They were on my list. That They're was, incredible. That was one. Yeah, that was one. I didn't think they would come out the gate this fast, though. I did not think that. Um, obviously, the foolishness with Kyrie. Um, we're gonna let, where are you going to brush that aside? That, that, that is. You talk about stuff on the court. That's that's what I'm saying. It does it well, it's on the court because it's affecting the team right. that, he, that he's playing for. So that's why I bring that up. Um, three, um, the Chicago Bulls, man. The Chicago Bulls have come out the gate, and I'm looking at this team like this is this is a playoff contending team if they stay healthy. Like, this is a different mentality type of team. And I, I if I would say one more, if I quickly, if I could. The Absolutely. Washington Wizards. Yes. The Washington Wizards have really been amazing to me thus far this early in the season. Now, can they keep that up? Who knows? But they've been thoroughly impressive this this early in the season. So those are my four four things. I know you asked for three, but those are my four things that oh, I kind of struck me. We're, we're all about bonuses here, right? You know, why we <laughs> get one free? You know, we're about the bonus. I, I don't hate it. Um, I'm with you on the Miami Heat. I was high on the Miami Heat going into the year. I, I didn't think mm-hmm. they were going to potentially be like top two in the East level good. But, man, they're just a nasty team that just tough. Yeah. No one wants to play. And I've always been a Jimmy Butler guy. Always. Always been a Jimmy Butler guy. Like, I saw Jimmy Butler be the best player on the floor in a finals game. All right. That's when you know you, you're you're at a different level now, right? Um, but even Kyle Lowry hasn't found his shot yet, who's averaging like I, I don't even think he's averaging 10 points a game yet. He's been really good for that team. Bam out of bio's good. Tyler Hero's back to being really good. I mean, that's a different squad that that 
plays hard every night and and coach Spolster yes. has to be having so much fun coaching them. The other Great. guys were the Boston Celtics are are a mess. And I used to think that Anthony Davis was the most overrated player in the league based on where everybody Wow. No, but 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 again, based on where people had him pegged, right? If I have him pegged just out the t- outside the top 10 of guys I'd build a franchise with, and everybody's telling me he's one of the three or four best players in the league, that to me is overrated, right? Well, Jason Tatum has taken that mantle for me now. Wow. Okay. Dudes, dudes are telling me he's going to be a lock for like all NBA. I just don't see it. It, 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 it everything's got to be a shoulder fake. Everything's got to be pretty for the gram. And I think that team's a mess. I actually think Jalen Brown is is the is the better player of the two. And oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But not not everybody would would agree with that. Most people wouldn't. So they mm. they're they're a ball mover away from being like really. You know, really something. Zach Lowe was like they're going to finish top four in the East. I think they'll be in the playing game for sure. Uh, That was two and three. I know he's not playing yet, but how fat Zion Williamson is is incredibly alarming. Incredibly alarming. And I don't know if it this is his way of getting out of New Orleans, but if I'm New Orleans, I would hold him out the entire year until he gets into shape and, and maybe he won't take it seriously until he gets out of new Orleans, which is uh, a dog shit move in terms of being a professional. Uh, but man, I, I, I'm absolutely shocked at how fat he is. Cause I listen, I know he has a Jones fracture in his foot, ride a damn bike. All right. Work out in the pool, do something. Well, here's the, well, here's the thing too. Be careful what you ask for, because if new Orleans happens to move, to another city that may be a little bit more thriving and they're needing a star to be there, he's going to wish he was on that team. So be careful what you ask for, what you try to, what you don't think is, is glitter right now. doesn't mean it can't be glitter later on. So you better be careful. Yeah. You better be careful. Having said all that, I would still trade Julius Randle for Zion Williamson right now. Um, but that's wow. Yeah. I, I don't like what I've seen from Julius. I know the Knicks are more talented this year, so I, I don't think it's going to matter as much, but he's he's starting to play like 2019 Julius Randle, which is one of the least, you know, favorite players to watch in my lifetime. So I don't, I don't like that. Uh, two quick things before we go. One, uh, at this point, would you say that the Western Conference is as nebulous a conference as we've seen in a long time. Oh, by the way, one one I guess bonus thing is the Warriors being this good without Clay is, is exceedingly surprising, and it just goes to show you how awesome Steph Curry is. Um, but yeah, yes. but speaking of you know the Warriors, the Western Conference I think is as nebulous as it's as it's been in a while in terms of no real clear favorite and nobody really separating themselves. And right now, would you say that the Eastern Conference, as a result, is better than the West? Uh, absolutely hell no. Here's why I say that. No, not at all. No. Make the case. Okay, here's the thing. You look at the Western Conference, right? You look at the West, it's it's gridlock. It's almost like what we say in college football, how the the Pac-12 doesn't get the respect because the teams usually do what? Beat up on each other so bad that nobody comes out of it to the college football playoff and all you see is SEC 
or Big 12 or Big 10 teams, right? So they get the national spotlight, they get the national shine, and they, and everybody thinks that the Big 10 and the Big 12 and the ACC or the SEC are much better conferences than what is being shown. But that's because they beat the Pac-12 beat each other up. Well, in the Western Conference, they beat each other up. Like you did, like you said a few moments ago, the Golden State Warriors without Klay Thompson and James Wiseman, for that matter, they're actually exceeding expectation. But imagine when they get back into the fold, how much better they're going to be. Well, the Wiseman, the, the Wiseman thing is interesting because I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure Wiseman fits into what the Warriors do. And I think that they are really going to regret not drafting LaMelo Ball at that spot. I think I think they can he can be a serviceable fit, meaning they can use him for what they need to use him for to get to get what they need to get down the floor. Um, and when they come back, Golden State is going to be a team to watch out for in the West. Can't forget about the Phoenix Suns. You can't forget about the Denver Nuggets or Utah Jazz or the Clippers when they figure it out, even if Kawhi doesn't come back. That's still good. Now that's that's about five or six teams that I just named. So it's all gridlocked. In the East, you got a what? Maybe three or four teams that we can talk about legitimately: the Bucks, the Nets, the Heat, and what? Uh, who else in the East that we could talk about? Damn. So that's three. You got three good teams that we can actually legitimately talk about with some type of intelligence. In the I West, you those, can talk I about five. Those, or six I think teams. those will end up being the three best teams in the league. Maybe, maybe. I, I, the yeah. jury's still out on the Sixers. The jury's still out on the Sixers because they can't get the Ben Simmons situation together. So that that jury's still out. And when Embiid's right, he's one of he's one of the six or seven best players in basketball. When he, he's right. he is when exactly key word when he is right. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying when you look at the West, the West is still stacked. The West is still loaded. So. Just because they don't have the, the national spotlight on them right now doesn't mean that the Eastern Conference, and again, I know you're from New York, so we're going to play this East-West thing. I get it. You know, I'm West Coast to the casket drops, so I'm always going to ride for the Western Conference, but I'm always going to be realistic in when I answer a question, and I'm going to say this. I think That's the Western right. Conference is still a, a top-notch conference, but I think the East is starting to come along slowly but surely, and we've been waiting for the East to come alive for many years, so... I think that's the difference right there. You mentioned the Utah Jazz. As as a great street poet once said, he's all right, but he's not real. That's the Utah Jazz. They can do win as many regular season games as they want. And I actually think they're going to finish ahead of the Lakers in the regular season standings. But I don't think it's going to matter come playoff time. However, however, Donovan Mitchell is... Remember I always said Jason Tatum is spoken about like he's that dude, but he's not that dude. Donovan Mitchell is that dude. He's that oh, guy. He's special. He is that dude. Um, I, I think he's closer to the top 10 in the league than Jason Tatum is. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, going forward. But I, I know you have a hard stop, and I, I kind of went a little over our, our allotted time. But, Nick, thanks so much for coming on. Hopefully we'll do this again. And before we uh, we go, tell everybody uh, what Anytime, we're man. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate you having me on, man. This was cool. Anytime you need me to come on again or want me to come on again, man, I'm here. Uh, you Got can it. find me at Nick Hamilton LA on Instagram, at Nick Hamilton 213 on Twitter, uh, nightcastmedia.com. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash NHExperienceTV. All right. You heard that, everybody. Nick Hamilton.
Thanks again. Uh, and we, uh, I will take you up on that offer now because now you're a recurring guest. So you have no choice. <laughs> I got you, man. Appreciate you, man. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks again to first-time guest, fellow Believe family member, Nick Hamilton of the Nick Hamilton Experience, Believe in Lakers podcast. Good stuff from him tonight coming on, giving me a little bit of time talking about the Lakers, a little bit around the league. A couple of quick things around the league just before we go. One, the rookies this year have been sensational. Evan Mobley, forward center from the Cavs, is so ahead of schedule in terms of being great. He's at the top of the class. Then Chris Duarte for the Pacers has been really good. There have been a couple of guys that have been really, really good. Really impressive, impressive showing from the rookie class so far. Jalen Green has had moments, even though I think he has a little bit too much J.R. Smith in him. But whatever. I'm sure we're going to be talking about the rookies when we talk about the NBA throughout the year. But it's an impressive start to the season for the rookie class. And I know I mentioned LaMelo Ball in my last show. But Miles Bridges, someone who I like pre-draft, who the Knicks passed up. Again, poor one out. Uh, they took Kevin Knox instead. Don't Didn't love that. But yeah, Miles Bridges has been awesome. Has been awesome. He turned down a four-year, $60 million extension. And right now, betting on himself looks like he's going to make himself about double that at least. And looks like the second coming of Sean Marion and the Matrix with a little bit better of a three-point shot. He's been super impressive. But anyway, just some two quick thoughts I wanted to get off. Oh, and the NBA foul rules have been great, and I don't care that it may mean that three-point shooting is down this year. I don't care. I, I think it's a way, way more watchable product, and if it hurts James Harden and Trey Young, I'm all for it. But anyway, just some quick closing thoughts. That's episode 130 for the love of the game. Take us out, X. My heart, the fight, the wrong, the right is gone. I Show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.